Hey, so good to have you here this morning. What a group. I want to tell you something. We are just uh, so amazed at what God's doing here at Harvest. We're honored to have you. Uh, just even we here the last uh, two weeks got the contract signed again with the theater for the next year. They've allowed us to extend it for another half an hour. So we have the ability uh, in March to be able to actually do two services uh, whenever we need to do that. So keep inviting friends. Don't feel like uh, packed is a bad thing. Packed is a blessing. And we're going to keep jamming them in here. Last week we had the second through fifth graders in here as well. So that added another 20, 30 people in here. And uh, we are just delighted to have you here this morning as we continue in a series. We're doing a series right now called Bringing It Home. And today, ladies, it's your turn. <laughs> Guys, it's the ladies' turn. Okay. <laughs> Especially after last week. Huh? Well, uh, if you're just kind of joining us uh, two Sundays ago, uh, we had gone over and talked about the purpose and design of marriage. And I know it's up there, but verbally with me. What's the purpose for marriage? To be a living picture of what? Christ in the church. And uh, we talked about that, and, and, and this is not a snapshot picture, but a movie, an ongoing story of what our marriage is, those who are married, those who someday may be married, is about to be a living, moving story that reflects uh, Christ in the church and that relationship. And there's a design to that. What are the three? Leave, cleave, and weave. Leave, that means you leave home. You go from a temporary relationship with your parents. Hey, teens, one day you're going to be leaving home. <laughs> They're scared to death to say anything. Uh, you know, you're leaving home, and if you get married, you're joining into a permanent relationship. And those who have children, with your children, you love them, you care for them, but there's a temporary aspect to the relationship with them because you're raising them to leave home. And we're going to be talking actually starting next week into parenting. But uh, uh, we leave, cleave, and weave. And then last Sunday we talked about God's kind of husband. God's kind of husband. Remember, guys, we talked about step up to the... Yeah, step up to the love plate. Step up to the love plate. Kiss yourself goodbye. I want to tell you something that's still just for me... Frankly, as a husband, just intimidates me, scares me, just just challenges me. The fact that the word used in Ephesians is literally betray yourself. Betray yourself. And you betray yourself, you kiss yourself goodbye for the purpose of focusing in on your wife as you prepare her for her presentation one day before Christ. It's all about her. Ladies? <laughs> and that means, guys, we've got to be going, on, going to school on our wives. And I just prayed this last week. I have been praying for you that you would be the kind of men that go to school on your wives, those of you who are married. You'd be learning. In fact, uh, I won't read them, but I got a couple emails this week. Just cool. Just to see how... You know, God's using some, some lives and some people and even kids and just a number of things. It's just really cool. And I want to encourage you guys, it's a lifelong trek. And so I asked this, was this week more like this over here or was it more like this? Listen, this is not what we're, what we're talking about as husbands be like Christ. There already is one on the throne who is being worshipped in heaven and that is not you or I. 
Okay, and so when the scriptures talk about husbands, you're to be like Christ. It's talking about like this, as we talked about last week. Now, that scares the tar out of me. And am I doing that? And am I being that? Listen, ladies, as we talk with you today, please, please, please keep the reality of this, of how God views your husband in mind today. Because, ladies, if you don't understand this, then your part, frankly, doesn't make quite full sense. But when you understand the weightiness, the heaviness, the load, the responsibility that God has put on your husband as to be a pace setter in the home, a sacrificial, loving servant in the home, I want to tell you, ladies, it should make you just step back and go, how can I help him be that? Well, that's where we're going to today. So, ladies, this is your day today. So I ask you, as Psalm 139 says, uh, at the very end, David talks about how, God, show me, is there anything in my life going on that I could do better to be pleasing you? Ladies, that's your job today, okay? To be learners, not to be defensive, but to be learners, just like I asked the guys to last week. And we're going to be going to three passages, Genesis chapters 2 and 3, Ephesians 5, and 1 Peter 3. And before uh, we go further, I do want to make mention, we've just got, I brought these resource table in to help you. Um, and I just want to highlight, my wife's favorite uh, overall women's book is Helper by Design by Elise Fitzpatrick. Helper by Design. Ladies, please pick it up. I can't cover near what's in this. But please pick this one up. Another one is just on marriage. I've highlighted it every week so far as we're kind of keen on marriage is when sinners say I do. Get God's perspective on marriage. If this isn't flowing, then this isn't flowing, if you will. And another resource, uh, we've got quick scripture reference for counseling women. We've got these just, we've got some for youth. We've got some for uh, just in general. I want to tell you, there's a brown one that's just in general. I use, and Karen and I have used this all the time with our parenting especially, because what this is, is in the front it just has different topics, anger, lust, uh, envy, or bitterness, or or love, or kindness, and just all kinds of topics, and you just go to it, all it is is it has verses on that. That's it. And so it's a wonderful, wonderful resource to be able to go to, to be able to find out what does Scripture say on some key things. Hey, guys, got a couple things to say to you today. As we uh, dig in, one, I want to have you watch your thinking. I made the same mention to the ladies last week. Guys, watch your thinking. Today is not about, let's see how my wife measures up. If you do that, naughty, okay? Don't do that. Guys, what should be happening is you should be looking and you should be going, how can I help my wife be that? How can I help my wife be that? Because remember Matthew chapter 7, as I reminded the ladies last week, how you measure someone else is how you will be measured. And so if I'm hard on my husband, God is going to be hard on me, is what it's really talking about. And that's right after it, it goes into talking about, and I'm going to put it right here again. Guys, that's for you today. Just to remember, this is about uh, you being very gracious and thinking what you can be doing. Well, let me put up, put up some pictures here. Here's some pictures. Just take a look at them. And uh, 
what are some thoughts that come to mind? Well, let me just tell you some of mine. We're kind of in a big group, so it's a bit hard to do that. But here's some thoughts that come to mind. Some words. Team. I just see a lot of team going on there, don't you? I see a lot of appreciation. Look at that guy opening the door. What a stud. I see just a lot of respect. I mean, look at the trust. That lady hanging up in his arms. Are you kidding me? That lady flying out flat. Please catch me. I see a lot of joy. I mean, I just see some real life experiences. Things remember to do together. Also, another thing that comes up is just a lot of hard work. Listen, that don't happen overnight. And this idea of if I can just find my soulmate, everything will click. Are you kidding me? It takes a lot of hard work for this to happen over time. I mean, it's a committed partnership. There's just a whole lot of beauty in those pictures. How sweet is that? Climbing up rocks like that, high-fiving each other. Way to go, babe. Isn't that cool? I also just go, I want that. I want that in my marriage. I mean, that kind of a picture just with, I already told you some of the thoughts that come to mind when we see pictures like this. And I want for my marriage, I want for your marriage to be the kind of marriage where when people look at your marriage, they think of the kind of traits of like Christ in the church going on. And that's what marriage is about, a living picture. Well, let's go to the scriptures and let's dig in. And ladies, it's your turn. Let me pray before I go any further, because we just need God's help today. God, um, we need your help. If we think that we can make our marriage happen and be joyful and, and enjoyable and pleasing to you and just do it on our own in our own way, God, we're fooling ourselves. And I don't want to be a fool, and I know these people here don't want to be a fool. Lord, I would pray, would you just really, I know you're here today, but I mean, would you be here in such a way where people's hearts are just open? Father, I know there's marriages right here in this room this morning that are really hurting, that are really struggling. And Father, I just pray for grace and encouragement and hope and challenge to be put into their lives today. And Lord, for marriages who right now are are just, they are firing on cylinders. Oh God, may they not be satisfied. Because this is about pleasing you, not about me being happy. God, give us a fervor. Raise up men who want to be Christ 
on the cross, men. And God, raise up women that just give you immense joy and glory. All for you. And all God's people said, Amen. Genesis chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible with you, we've got some people who are coming around with a Bible, and you're welcome to borrow one here. And let's, uh, let's dig in. Genesis chapter 2. Every week so far, I've been taking us back to Genesis because this is the beginning. This is where things get rolling. This is where things are taking place. This is the kind of stuff that's happening and what's going on. And let me pick up in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, and read for a bit here. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Wow, he was serious, wasn't he? Verse 18, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. So, Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. Whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. And the man gave names to all the livestock and the birds of the heavens and every beast of the field. Look at the picture here that's going on. Here Adam is created, Adam is there, and God looks. God knows all what's taking place in all this. I mean, God knew that there was going to be Eve. It wasn't like, oops, I made a mistake in the creation thing. I guess I've got to go back and refix this. No, no, uh, listen, God is doing this for our benefit, to help us to understand how things are coming about. And, and God creates Adam, and he says, Adam, here's the deal. You're there, you work it, you care for that. That's your deal. You do that, and that will give me great joy. And then he sees it and he says, you know what, the guy's lonely, so let's, uh, let's make him a helper that's fit for him. We're going to come back to that terminology here in a little bit. And by the way, it, it, it's stated, but yet it doesn't happen right there. Because the next event that happens is kind of, I don't know, it's like this Noah's Ark deal. Where, where he, God creates the beast, and he brings them from at, in front of Adam. And Adam goes, that looks like a horse. We'll call it a horse. Because Adam spoke English. In those days, right? That's a pig, and that's a gerbil, and that's a giraffe, and that's an elephant. And he's naming all these kinds of things. But yet in all this stuff, God knows that Adam is alone, and he's in essence said, I'm going to make a helper fit for you. And he's like, the horse, no. I mean, that's one incredible, hot-looking animal, if you will. I mean, just sleek and cool, but yet, no, we don't quite, like, get along. And none is found fit. Let's pick up. So all this takes place. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. Just so interesting how God did that. Verse 21. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, pulled out the lazy boy, and while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up his place with flesh. 
And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this at last, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. I just want to let you know that I believe this account, that it happened just the way that it said. This isn't an illustration of something. This is, I believe, that this is exactly how it happened. And let's go back to verse 18 and also in verse 20 at the very end. An interesting wording is taking place here. There's a helper fit for him. Look at the Hebrew wording here. Uh, go to the next slide, Andrea. Uh, yeah, here we go. In this Hebrew wording that's at the end of this sentence, you could break this terminology out so that literally what's being said is it's being said is an I, God, is going to create someone that's like Adam, but someone that's opposite Adam. I want to tell you, that right there encapsulates everything that we're going to be talking about today. Ladies, you are like him, but yet you are opposite him. Eve was like Adam, but opposite him. I think of the ramifications that come out of that. They were both humans. They were both equals. They were both created in God's image. They were like They were both opposites. It was a man and a woman. And yet they had unique created uh, physique, uh, interests, uh, makeup about them. And Eve was a fit helper of that. A crafted helper created to fill the gap. She was bringing needed aid. She was removing the loneliness as well as fulfilling God's task. It went from a sole proprietorship to a joint partnership. Understand that this was no longer a solo player for God, Adam, in the garden, caring for it and taking care of it. And now God just brings someone along that's just like his little puppy to kind of help him around while he does what it is. No, 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 no. That's not what's taking place. Adam was put there to care and to take care of it. And yet Eve was brought around. And now it's a team thing. It's two together. And the two are there fulfilling a purpose that God deemed to be the case. And God put before them. It's a team of like opposite teammates. And this is beautiful. This is so cool. Ladies, I am so grateful for you. I am so grateful you don't look like us. I am so grateful that you're different than us in so many ways. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for that. And that was God's creation. Elise Fitzpatrick says, He was incomplete without someone who could understand what this calling meant and who would encourage him and work with him in it. God intended that Adam learn the joys of diversity, dependence, fellowship, and unity together with someone who complimented or corresponded to him. Eve was God's finishing touch for Adam. Ladies, right? Okay. Eve was God's finishing touch for Adam. Oh, come on. Okay. 
That should be like, oh, yeah, or I don't know how you ladies do that. See, that's a like opposite thing. Us guys, you know, we're like high five and smacking each other on the rear end. Ladies, I, I don't know what you do, but whatever, just, okay, I got to keep going. Ladies, listen to me. Last week, in talking to the husbands, I told the husbands, husbands, step up to the love plate. Because in Ephesians 5, it says, husbands, you must continually, continuously and presently and ongoing love your wives. It's not a choice. It's a command. And ladies here, I just, I call you to know and understand that God has created you for a position. And ladies, play your position. Play your position as helper. God created you for that. And it was good. That's just the right thing. That's exactly what God wants you to be. So I just ask, are you a team player? Really? Whether you're married or whether you're single, ladies, are you marked by the characteristic of being a team player? Are your husbands, are you your husband's helper? I mean, really, are you your husband's helper? And it's so fun at times around here just to watch some wives just helping their husband. I mean, in just unique ways. And I just go, way to go. Way to go. That's being a team. Are you his helper? Let me ask this. How would he answer that? Would he say that's the case? Or, I hope this isn't the case, or would he say you're more like a competing opponent? In fact, with that in mind, I want to bring this to the reality. Why does that so often happen? Let's keep on going. Genesis chapter 3. Let me just pick up in verse 1. I want to read some of this, but we'll get to it. Look at chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than the other beasts of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, the serpent did, Satan did, did God actually say, you shall not eat of the tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it lest you die. That's exactly right. Way to go, Eve. Way to go. That's exactly right. Verse 4. But then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. No. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Well, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired, uh, was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths trying to hide. Verse 8, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? Oh, wait a second. God is omniscient, correct? God knows all things. Did God know where Adam was? I just, listen, so much of the creation account is, again, for our help. 
And, and by the way, who did God go looking for? Called Adam first. That's the time where I wanted to be Eve. Really. I mean, when you really look at this, as I talked about last week, that's the time. God's coming after him. Mr. First Responsibility, as we called last week. Uh, Mr. Pace Setter. God's coming after him. Adam, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And God said, who told you that you were naked? God knew. Drawn out his heart. Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you to eat? And the man said, love this, guys. It was the woman. She did it. She did it. In fact, listen, listen to it. The man, or I'm sorry, the woman who you gave to be with me. Listen, this is not only, it's her fault. It's, this is my wife here. It's her fault. It's her fault. But really what Adam is saying here is this. It's her fault because you gave her to me. Whoa, dude. And really what God, Adam is doing is completely blame-shifting responsibility to his wife and to God himself. Uh, man, can we relate, guys, huh? It wasn't my, it wasn't my fault. It was Nick's fault. Uh, the man said, uh, the woman who you gave to me uh, to be with me, she... She gave me fruit of the tree, and I ate it. Like, I didn't have a choice. I did what she told me. Verse 13, then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? And the woman said, who's the serpent? He did it. It wasn't me. I couldn't help it. Not my fault. You know, you see this massive blame shifting that's going on here. But God knows much more than this, right? God knows exactly what's going on, and God's going to take care of the thing. So what's he do? He sits Satan down and talks to him, and then he sits Eve down and talks to her. And because we're keying in on the ladies today, ladies, let's go to verse 16. To the woman, he, God said, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing, and in pain you shall bring forth children. Listen, the consequences of her disobedience was one of them was the suffering in relation to her children. But he doesn't stop there. And your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Whoa. What's this talking about? One, God gives a consequence that there will be suffering as a re- with children, but there will also be suffering with a relationship with her husband. Well, what's this desire rule thing? Because there's a lot of bad stuff that comes out of this by bad understanding. The word desire is a negative desire. This is not what is being said. God is not saying to Eve, okay, Eve, you know what? Now you're going to have lots of pain. You're going to do the whole <laughs> you know, breathing thing for kids and all that kind of stuff coming up. You're going to have a lot of pain as a result of this. And not only that, but you are going to have desire to your husband to where, ladies, it's going to be like this. Oh, I love my wife. I love my husband. I just love him, love him, love him, love, love him. I just desire, desire him. Oh, I just love him. That's not what it's talking about. It's not saying that your desire is going to be for your husband. In fact, it's the complete opposite from that in many ways. In fact, what it's saying here, and you can even correlate this with chapter 4, verse 7, where it talks about how it's sin's desire is for you. In essence, ladies, here, ever since the fall, this is what's happened. Ever since the fall, there has been an urge to seek control. 
There has been a, a compelling to master over. That's what it's talking about. Eve, as a result of the sin that's taken place here, you are now going to be in a constant battle with your husband over home plate. Her desire would be to usurp Adam's headship and first responsibility. And God justly gives Eve up to her desires. She wants the home plate. The misery of the husband-wife competition has begun. And God's design is distorted. The like opposite now becomes like competing. That's what it's talking about here. One of the consequences of this, folks... Sin has brought competition and fussing and pride and this into a marriage. And it's so intriguing today. <laughs> Behind the scenes, it's, it's joked in churches among pastors to where if you need to count, if you need to cut attendance, speak on a wife. And in our culture today, you'll lose a lot of people if you speak what the Scriptures talk about. But listen, you've got to take it back to the picture of the husband of Christ on the cross, and you, now you look and it's like opposite him. And God designed it to be a good thing, a wonderful thing. And then sin came in and the picture was destroyed, if you will. Conflict now came on the page. And there's a twisted battle for the position rather than the common purpose. And we all, the married couples, we know what this is, don't we? Come on. We all know what this is. I know what it is. Karen knows what it is. We know what this is. And it all goes back to the fall. Well, let's keep on going because we've got to go to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. By the way, well, I'll pick that up later. Ephesians chapter 5. Why, as we've seen, a key concept of your position as helper. Now in Ephesians 5, we're going to see a next key concept, and that's a voluntarily yielding yourself in love. Voluntarily yield yourself in love. Ephesians 5, verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church's body. And is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. This is a passage speaking to who? To wives. And here it says, wives, you're to hupotasso, is the Greek word. Now we have in our Bibles here the word submit. And you know all the junk around that word, right? You bring that word up, and it's just like, yeah, I'm glad Helmer's the one talking on this today, and not me. But what is the, the issue is, what does the word mean? What is Hupotasso talking about? Well, let's, let's take a look at it. It it's, means relinquishing one's rights. By the way, isn't that interesting? Very common to the husband's reality of kissing himself goodbye. Ladies, you're to also relinquish your rights. It's about willingly placing oneself in an order. It's about yielding oneself. When you think of yield, 
You're like, no, 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 you first. I could go first. But no, 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 you first. I, I yield to you. That's what it's talking about. Why is you're to be a yielder? That's to be a characteristical trait of you. Culture wants me to apologize for this. Wants me to take on an egalitarian view where there are no differences. I'm sorry, but around here we're about teaching the Bible. And what God teaches is a good thing. Ladies, this is an excellent thing. Let me clarify this. Hupotasso is not for women only. In fact, the interesting thing in verse 22, it says that. In verse 21, what does it say? Submit to one another. Yield to one another. All of us are to be people that yield to one another. That's to be a characteristic trait of everybody. But yet, it is also brought here very specifically into the role of the wife, into the responsibility of the wife. It's not degrading. It's not demeaning. It's not about inferiority. It's not about never sharing your thoughts and opinions. It's not about being the puppy dog in the corner. No. God created puppy dogs. And they don't get married to husbands. God created something way better. A helper fit, just fit for him, so that now the two of them can be a team that just rocks for Jesus. That's what it's about. It's not just applicable to decision making. It's not dependent on the husband's actions or attitudes. We'll clarify that here in a little bit. It's not about remaining in a truly abusive situation. It is God's plan for function, order, and effectiveness in the home. And it is about absolute self-sacrificing equality. It is the wife's unique responsibility. It is to be the wife's lifestyle. Did you notice this extensive at the end in verse 24? Uh, You yield in everything. It is freeing, ladies. It is freeing. This is a protection for you. I just want to tell you something. I loved the five years before coming here that I had as an assistant pastor. I loved that time. And part of it was because my head was not on the chopping block first as an assistant pastor. Steve's was. And there were days I wanted to have my head on the chopping block first. But then it was those days when I remembered where his head was on a chopping block first, and I go, thank you, God. This so frees me up. This so frees me up to do the kinds of things that I couldn't be doing if I had that on my shoulders. And why is this is a freeing thing? This is a protection thing. It's a reflection of her love for God. It's all about trusting God. Wives, yield yourself to your husband's. That's what it says. Paul's not asking every woman to submit to every man or in every male-female relationship. I don't have a problem if we would have a woman president. I don't have a problem if there's a woman as a boss. I don't have a problem with that. But the scriptures do talk specifically about in the areas of marriage and in the church. And there is a reality of first responsibility. There is a headship. And it's in everything in these relationships. And get this, ladies. It says, as to the Lord. 
Last week I talked with the guys and I said to the guys to them about guys, listen, loving your wife sacrificially, kissing yourself goodbye and being all about her is a spiritual deal. And if you don't do that, if you aren't that kind of a husband, the scriptures say that God will hinder your prayers. And I'm just still blown away at the times where myself and others, when we don't treat our wives the way God would have us to be as a loving, serving husband, and then we expect God to bless us in immense, incredible ways. And God says, it doesn't work that way. You see, I created you, and I put it all together, and the way I put it together, it's like the best thing ever. It's the best thing for me, and it's the best thing for you. And ladies, this is the thing. This is a spiritual reality for you. And Karen and I here in a little bit, we're going to illustrate this, I think, to hope to help all of us get what we're talking about in these last two Sundays, bring that reality together. Wives, are you voluntarily yielding yourself in love? Well, let me just put list some ways here. You know if you're voluntarily yielding yourself in love. Uh, do you think about what he wants more than what you want? Do you think about what he wants more than what you want? Do you make efforts to be part of his interests? I'm not saying you've got to be part of all his interests. But do you make efforts to be part of his interests? <laughs> I loved it uh, in the past where um, my my dad's life was coming to an end and he had this airplane and uh, he was wondering if any of his sons would want this airplane. And I mean, not like a you know $17 million jet, believe me. Um, had this airplane, and he was wondering if the kids did, and my older brothers didn't want it. And I was like, okay, maybe I'll give it a shot. And I used to throw up when I was young and go up with my dad, so I really wasn't too thrilled about the whole thing. But I thought, you know what, I want to try this. And I actually kind of came to enjoy it. And uh, I was thinking about it, and Karen took lessons with me. (laughs) Now, part of the reality of that is she wanted to protect herself. (laughs) Because if something happened to me while we were up, she at least wanted to have a 50-50 shot. (laughs) But I want to tell you how special that was. She got to a place where she was soloing, all on her own, flying. What a a cool woman, huh? You know, and it's just like, she didn't have to do that. But just gave some effort to be a part of something that was my interest. I've still, as you can tell, I've never forgotten that. And it's just one of those things that it just helps me to want to love her more. Because how wonderful of her to share her time with me. And it makes cranks me up for her, which cranks her up for me, which cranks me up for her. And it, I'm serious. And it snowballs. That's where the die to self, kiss myself goodbye and yield myself to my husband. It's a great thing. Because when I'm kissing it goodbye... And loving her, she is motivated to want to love me. And it's a wonderful thing. And that's the way God designed it to be. Uh, 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 some more here. Do, do you happily do tasks to help him without expecting something in return? Here's a big one. Do you have his back in front of the kids, family, and friends? When you get together with mother-in-law, ladies, or your sister, or your girlfriends out at coffee, frankly, is there some smack talk going on about your husband? 
You know, watching Everyone Loves Raymond was a funny show. But I want to tell you, there's some things that just really, really, really concern me. Talking about Ray like he's an idiot. You know what? Maybe he was. But that's not right. Those are the kinds of things. Uh, ladies, uh, um, uh, do I thank my husband when he makes efforts to help, even when they're not done the way I want? You get ready this morning for church. You get the kids around. And hubby, you're helping, right? Oh, boy. Okay, next week. Pick it up, dude. And you're helping to get the kids around, and you're getting your daughter around, and you're getting her in her clothes, and you're putting the clothes on her, and and you're getting out the door, and your wife sees that it's like, (laughs) Doug, you're an idiot. No. (laughs) You know, like, what was with those clothes? Hey, ladies, seriously, so what? So what? So what? He helped. He puts the dishes away at night. He puts the the Tupperware in the fine china cabinet. So what? Hey, honey, thanks so much for helping with the dishes. I so appreciate it. Just freezing me up to have some downtime. Thank you for doing that. Hey, by the way, next time, you know, when you do it, uh, the Tupperware comes over here, and I just thank you so much for help. I'm serious. You can still help. You can still encourage. You can still teach. But love. Men are generally lazy and women are generally critical. And we see it in these two roles after sin. Men become lazy and loving. And women are compelled to want to be critical. So ladies, watch it. We're all growing, right? Everybody in this room. A husband should be willing to give up his life for his wife, guys. And a wife should be willing to live for her husband. A husband should be willing to give up his life for his wife. And a wife should be willing to live for her husband. Play your position as helper. Voluntarily yield yourself in love. And third, wives, give him your respect. Ephesians 5, 33, the very end of the chapter. Verse 33, however, let each one of you love his wife as himself. Speaking to the guys, summing it all up. And let the wife see that she respects her husband. Respect, showing admiration, giving honor, treating with dutiful regard and deference. Wives, your husband is commanded to love you, and you're commanded to give your husband your respect. Now, here's something very, very, very important. When we think of respect, we think of earned respect. This isn't talking about that. Ladies, this isn't even talking about if your husbands have earned your respect. It's saying, respect your husband. Why? How? Well, because of this. Both of you have been given, I'll call it a uniform. 
Your husband has been given a uniform and you have been given a uniform. Now, let's talk about the husband's uniform for just a second. God has given your husband a uniform of the pace setter in the home. His neck is first on the chopping block before God. God has given him that whether he knows it or not or whether he's living it or not. He has that uniform on him from God. And it's a wonderful thing, wives, when you can respect the man in the uniform and the uniform. But even if there's a lack of honest respect for the man in the uniform, you still respect the uniform. You see beyond him and you see Christ. And guys, listen to me, guys. Do you realize, do you see in this how you and I can make it so hard for our wives to respect us? When we don't have the character in our lives, when we're not loving her, we're making it harder for her to respect us. When we're not men of quality, character, and truth-telling, and and of ethics, and a hard worker, and loving to the kids, and loving to other people, and a servant. And we're not that way. Guys, listen, we are making it so hard for our wives to respect you. And the guy that pulls out this verse in his thinking or verbally and says, listen, you're to respect me, the wife in her head is thinking, yes, I respect you because Jesus Christ. And yet sometimes for wives, it's very hard for them to respect you. Guys, we have an opportunity to prepare her for presentation. And being God's kind of man helps her with this. Wives, do your attitudes and actions give testimony of your respect for him? Do your words tell of giving him honor, your actions, your attitudes? And ladies, you might need to look hard. I hope not. But honestly, I've met some couples where I'm like, dude, she's got to do some hard, hard digging to find something to respect in there. But ladies, dig deep. At least he gets up in the morning and goes to work. At least he doesn't like throw his food against the wall. I don't know. Just look for something. Look for something. Because God wants you to be a respecter of your husband. Play your position as helper. Voluntarily yield yourself in love. Give him your respect. Ladies, you right now, are you going to tug? This is like tough. Are you? Because if I were you, I'd be like, yeah, I would be. This is tough stuff, isn't it? And believe me, I don't get a great joy out of telling women how to live their lives. When I'm a guy, but I'm your pastor and I'm trying to bring God's words to the table here. And in it, when we look at it, yeah, it can be tough. But let's go to First Peter chapter 3 and finish off. And I think just to give you some closing uh, help here as you look on it. Because guys, your job's tough too, isn't it? Man, Sam. First Peter chapter 3. Because of time, I'm going to read through the first five verses and really finish off at the very end statement here. Spend a little time, then Karen's going to help me with something. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1. Likewise, wives, 
Be submissive, yield yourself to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be one without it by the conduct of, your, of their wives. When they see your respectful and pure conduct, do not let your adorning be external. Oh, by the way, ladies, this is not just talking about an unbelieving husband. Did you get that? This is talking about so that even if some do not obey the word. Well, yeah, it applies to both. But even when I'm not obeying the word, uh, this is what it's talking about. And then verse 3, do not let your adorning be external. The braiding of hair, the wearing of gold, or the putting on of clothing. I mean, they're okay, but don't make that the main thing. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, by yielding to their husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham and called him Lord. Okay, hold on. Chill on this one. This is just talking about the same kind of thing. It's talking about because she yielded to Abraham and she respected him. Okay? That's what this is referring to. And you are her children. If you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. At the very end here, two things. Uh, Do good. Do good, ladies. This is an action. It's bring your husband good. I mean, bring it to him. Bring it, ladies. Do good to your husband. Uh, The church is all about bringing good to Jesus Christ. And when you bring good to your husband, you are a reflecting mirror. You're an image of that similar relationship that's going on. And I love this as well. I love the honesty of the scriptures. Do good, but also don't fear. Don't fear. Hey, yielding yourself to someone is a fearful reality at times. And yet it says here, it's the driving force, fear is the driving force that aborts God's plan and design. The church is not to fear life. It knows that Christ is in control. And that we can allow life, in other words, but God, what happens if? But God, what happens if he? What happens if this? What happens if that? What happens if this? Hey, listen, that's why I say, this is so much, ladies, this is all about trusting God. Looking beyond your husband and seeing Christ. Wives, this is all us ultimately about keeping your eyes on Jesus. Karen, come on up here, babe. I want to uh, try and bring this together in an image. Karen and I got married a lot of years ago. Well, we look incredibly young. And uh, we got married, and in this relationship that we have, um, in essence, we could kind of just view it as though this thing is about us just being happy. Right? Let's be happy. We're just a happy couple. And we just skip through life, and we're happy, 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 happy. Like, uh, that is not the way the Bible talks about it. No, happiness is a good thing. I love being happy with her. Okay? It's no fun to not have happiness going on. All right, we love that, but that's not the goal. Let, let's, let me refer back to the guys. Remember, guys, 
Last week, we're talking about preparing her to present. Because, you see, there's me in this relationship, there's her in this relationship, and there's someone else in this relationship. Andrea, could you bring up that other person? There's Jesus Christ in this relationship. And guys, as I talked about last week, step up to the love plate. Kiss yourself goodbye. It's about betraying myself. And when I said I do, I was I did about me and I do about you. <laughs> Work that one out. And in that, then my life becomes about the time point in time. We're always looking to the day when I'm presenting her to Christ. This is my life now. Hobbies are okay. Fun things are fine. But when it comes push to shove, it's all about her. And it's all about getting her ready to present to Christ. And when Christ comes, and he, or when he comes, yeah, bring it on, come. When we see Christ in this, and in essence, I'm going to be validated in my walk with him by how I walked with her. And so some days she wants to fight this. Okay? And in this process, she wants to fight away. But I'm still, it's not about how she responds to me. I'm looking at her, but I'm looking at him. And even when she wants to fight me, I'm still then, in essence, I set her aside in my thinking, if you will, and I still do it because it's about him. That's the difference here. I betrayed myself and I'm, I'm for Christ. And that means I'm for her and I'm coming and presenting her. Now, l- l- let's rotate this around. Karen is my wife. And in, and in this process, she's in essence seeing that Christ has put me in a place To where my neck is first on the chopping block. I miss her first responsibility. She's misses second responsibility. It's not that she doesn't have responsibility, but it's just I'm first, if you will, not I'm first to get it. (laughs) And so in this process, as we're going through life together, I mean, we're going through life together. And at times I act like a sinner. Go figure. And if she's just all about what this is, it's going to be dead dog hard for her to live. Because what do you respect in this? I'm a depraved sinner. Saved by grace, but a sinner. But yet as she's going through life, she realizes that it's beyond me. Right? And it's about Christ. And Christ has put this uniform on me as she has this uniform on her. And we're walking together. And I can make it really hard for her. And just act like an idiot. And a fool. And a sinner. And be mean. And unloving. But even when I'm like that. The hope that she has. Is not me. But Christ. Ladies. When you are looking in this. When you are seeing what the scriptures talk about, understand this. God has put you and created you in the perfect spot. Just where he wants you. And the question is, is are you going to be the kind of woman, the kind of wife, that 
sees her husband while seeing Christ. And guys, same for you, right? And it can be a living picture of Christ in the church. And it's a lot of work. But one day, one day, way worth it. Way, way worth it. While the worship team's coming up, let me close off with this. Proverbs 31, an excellent wife, who can find? She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She's like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. And with the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff, and her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor, reaches out her hands to the needy. She's not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and pure. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. And she makes linen garments and sells them, and she delivers sashes to the merchant. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, and her husband also. And he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you, baby, you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Hey, ladies, we love you. And God has given you a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful responsibility on your shoulders and we want to pray for you we want to help you and encourage you because you're part of a team those of you who are married and single ladies be this kind of woman at the end of the service we're going to have some of our small group ladies up here and ladies if you just want to come up and just ask someone to pray for you and just hey i need to work on some things so just take 10 seconds and pray for me they'll be up here no big deal about it if you want to do that. But let me pray for us now. God, thank you so much just for your love for us, your patience with us, your kindness to us, your grace all around us. Lord Jesus, I would just ask, would you help us to be the kind of men and the kind of women that honor you, that bring you glory, that be the kind of people that you want us to be? Thanks for giving us such hard tasks. 
but such wonderful, great, immense, God-glorifying tasks. It's all about you. Help us to be that. In your name we pray, Lord. Amen.